Good morning. So financial education is obviously something that I speak about loads on the podcast. And um, I always talk about the fact that we don't get taught so much stuff in schools. And every time I do an event or speak at a workshop, I ask people, were you taught this stuff in school? And very rarely do I see hands go up. I think everyone would agree it is a topic that we need to change. We need to change it. I'm doing some work in Parliament at the moment. We're going to have a petition out in a couple of weeks. Um, more on that later on. But I, in this episode this week, I wanted to speak to someone who's actually doing the work on the ground. And her social media account is freaking awesome. It is so good. The information is so clear, so concise. And really, I look up to the account because of the clarity of the information. Actually, the production quality is top notch as well. So I'm really excited that she's uh, agreed uh, to come on the show today. I'm going to be speaking with Abby Foster. She's the founder of Elent and her passion is all about financial education. And she's never had any financial education like myself in her own life as well. So I want to talk a little bit about her work, how she's actually started doing this and really talk a little bit about financial education as a whole. So Abby, thank you so much for 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 coming on the show it's it's really good to have you I can't even begin to tell you thank you so much for having me right back at you I I've listened to you for a long time and I just am very excited to be chatting to you no no worries it's it yeah like I said your your content on social media I see it sometimes I'm like okay it's really clear it's really really concise the studio that you use I have to ask you is that a studio is that green screen what is it it's a really really nice setup it is a studio so it is a studio up in North London called Dream Factory and you can um, record content there we use it because for me I used to get so overwhelmed with recording a video in my kitchen then you know re-recording it later and whereas with this I can just go away record batch content and then release it later um which for me works um but yeah it is something i i do enjoy that as well cool so tell me a little bit about kind of like your beginnings because like i've already mentioned there you didn't have any financial education yourself you are an accountant a chartered accountant how do you go from that into financial education working with schools universities and the work that you do at the moment with uh at Alent? yeah so i um, I've got incredible parents, but you're right. I never had that financial education because they didn't have it. Um, my mom is a hairdresser. My dad's a builder. They are like very, um, they're very intelligent in their own way. But when it comes to finances, I was always very aware that, you know, um, they would go to their accountant or they would like seek like advice from other people. So, um, for me, it was something I knew I was going to have to learn myself. Um, I studied accountancy at university and then, uh, worked in the glossy magazine industry. So I worked with Conde Nast and Hearst as an accountant. And then when I was at Hearst, I loved my job and I qualified as an ACA chartered accountant, but I realized that my real passion lied in the inequality gaps that we face in society, such as, such as the gender pay gap. And I just had a brainwave one day and I realized, right, how was I going to fix this? Kind of mind mapped it out really naively. And one of the kind of spread offs was you should be teaching this in schools. And I looked around and there just wasn't enough. There are some people doing it and everyone's giving it a really good go, but there wasn't enough. And there obviously wasn't enough quality education because like you said at the beginning, every time I was asking rooms full of people, be it young people or older people, have you learned about this? Or have you heard about this from school? Or have you learned about just financial education in general? Everyone was saying no. And so, yeah, I just decided to come in and fix that. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting you say that because one thing that I found 
it, it's kind of this weird thing. The curriculum that was that is currently in schools was created so many years ago. And I think society at that point would think, okay, it's the parents' responsibility to teach kids. But one thing I found is number one, and this is true today in the in the education system when they talk about, you know, um, numeracy being part of the curriculum and whether it is fit for purpose, you can't teach what you don't know. And the reality is you, you also don't know what you don't know until you know you don't know it. And I, I firmly believe that in order for you to be able to deliver financial education in a way that is, number one, engaging for the kids, you know, is easy for them to understand and is broken down into such a way that is easy to also consume, you need to have a bit of a passion, enthusiasm, and some kind of, I guess, drive to actually want to do it properly. And it's not just part of the day that you have to deliver. And it's a topic that, oh my God, I don't know this topic. So how am I going to teach it to kids kind of thing? Does does that make sense? Yeah, it's for me, as we've spoken about, it's like my passion. I'm so angry about the unjustness of lack of financial education and what it can end up doing to people that it drives me every single time I go into a school, whether I'm teaching year one, which is like age six or year 13, where you're getting to 18 and leaving school, they all deserve quality education and they all deserve it now, not in the future. You know, so many of my friends growing up would say, oh, wish we'd had this at school. And then I got to an age where I was, you know, in my career for a while. And I said, what is going on? Why do we still not have this? Why is no one taking ownership of this and saying, right, I'll go and do it? Because it's really sad. Like that's just a very sad realization that we can just constantly say, oh, I wish I'd had that and never change anything. Yeah. I think as well, because we're in um, 2023, it's more important now than ever to equip kids because my biggest fear, and I say this all the time, is that, you know, the curriculum when it was created, it was a very different world. You could, you know, get into a job with a final salary pension and be taken care of for life. And now it's very, very different. You go into work and unfortunately you, you've got defined contribution pensions. So the onus is entirely on you. And we're in a different age now, cryptocurrency, the threat of AI taking jobs, the challenges are very, very different to what they were in the 60s and 70s. And so I guess the, I would love to hear your thoughts on how important you think financial education is in 2023 and beyond, given that the world is changing so much and has changed. Yeah, it's about... <sighs> It can change lives. And I don't mean that dramatically. I mean that in the sense that, you know, we can protect wealth and that's never explained about, we talk about, you know, investing compound interest and growing wealth, but what about protecting it? Because for a lot of young people, they don't realize, like you said, that these defined contribution pensions put the onus back on you. And they don't realize that, that they need to be protecting themselves, not just from their income right now, but from their income in the future, not making, you know, bad decisions. And I think, yeah, it starts with obviously teaching it at school, but in 2023, it's because we have got a generation now where going to uni is just a given for some reason, which it shouldn't be, you know, it is, it's assumed that we all go now and that's kind of the like base level, which is crazy. And it, then what it does is everyone has to step up a gear and up a gear. And then, you know, the next base level is masters and everyone keeps forgetting that all of these things cost money. Whilst a student loan is different to other loans, we've talked about this, I'm sure, you know, it, it's still a debt and we need to be protecting our wealth, not constantly finding new ways to spend it. Um, that's how I feel, like, especially in 23, it's like the main reason financial education should be taught is protecting your wealth and being able to change there your are life lots of, um, 
I don't, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories, but there are, if you speak to ordinary people, oftentimes, and I'll be interested to hear your view on this, I hear they don't want to teach you because they want to keep you working class, which is a conversation onto its own. But what I would like to know from your point of view is, what do you think truly needs to change in order for financial education to be tangible in this country based on the work that you're doing in, in schools and the things that you've observed? Oh, that's a tough question. What do I think truly needs to change? I think the education system needs complete reform, but that's probably, again, like you said, it's a very, um, it's a very big topic to take on on my own, but I really do believe in it. I think like you yeah. said before, the school system was written hundreds of years ago and for some reason we still act in the same way we did we still have the kind of nine to five mentality of the school day we still have the you know you need to sit in classrooms all facing the teacher um you need to sit certain subjects that benefit certain people um and yet in many other stages of life you know in our jobs in on in the content creation sphere we have kind of branched outside of that and realized that you know it takes all sorts like neurodiverse people people to kind of mm -hmm. do things differently educate differently for instance, myself included i realized i was never going to be someone that was going to start a blog um i happen to be dyslexic and therefore writing for me is just not a thing but audio visual love it and that's how I can teach people so that's how I'm going to do it and with schools we need to be going back to schools and realizing that the world has changed so much why do we still teach in the exact same way not just finance everything yeah but then if I am going to obviously harp on about finance that's the thing we cannot develop just a textbook I think often people think when I say to them I'm writing a financial education curriculum they think that I'm writing like a list of subjects that everyone must know and that at the end of it they're going to all have to sit an exam and if they don't if they don't get over 80 percent then they're financial failures no that is the complete opposite of what we need to achieve what we need to achieve is this safe space where everybody with neurodiversities everybody from all over the country feels heard and is also able to you know take part in this education without feeling pushed and out without feeling like right if you don't invest you're a failure if you don't open mm -hmm. a bank account with this company you're a failure you know none of that it's just the you know the basics of what you should know um and what i think will help you um and hopefully what others will come in and help me um develop will think that everyone should know as well you know not you know i'm not saying it's going to suit absolutely everyone. You can't always achieve that. But by teaching the differences, you know, what the nuances are on a pay slip, and then also explaining how to be self-employed maybe yeah. and how that financially works could be really beneficial to not just a handful of people, but every single person in the UK. Yeah, I would agree with so much of what you've said there. I mean, particularly on the neurodiversity thing. I recently found out that I'm mildly dyslexic and I found out, after writing my book, I actually, the, the thing that, that triggered me to finally take a test was I had to record the audiobook for the book and it took longer than I, I ever expected. It was so stressful. And in my head, when I read, I don't read the full sentence. I look at words and then form the sentence. That's where my brain basically works. And it became a problem because with the book, those are my words. I know what I wrote. So when I'm reading it, I'm connecting the words but the woman's saying, you're not reading the actual words. And I'm like, yes, I am. So I took a test and um, I found out I'm mildly dyslexic, but I think you're right. If we're going to teach kids financial education, it isn't just about the textbook stuff. I, I mean, I'm really passionate about how you bring in video 
visuals and other a wide range of content because at I, I can't sit there and read a textbook anymore. When I was in school, I could cram stuff and I was relatively good at it. But as, I, as I've got older, I can't do it anymore. So I think you're right. Different approaches are absolutely needed so that it's as effective as possible. And you're hitting as many of the nuances when it comes to personality types, learning types in schools, in real time, day to day. I'm interested to know, given the fact that you go into to schools and universities, are there any common kind of like threads that you've noticed um, delivering for an education in school? Do you find that there are certain things that work really, really well? Do you find that, you know, teachers are kind of open to the idea of someone externally coming into the school? Because I think sometimes people think, well, actually, how do you get into a school? How does that even work? Yeah, I've had wonderful experiences with teachers. Um, I made this joke, but it's actually not a joke. If I could knight, if I was the prime minister... Um, I would knight all teachers just from the off because I have a tiny experience mm-hmm. of going into schools and teaching in schools. It is so difficult. It's so hard and they do not get the recognition they all deserve. So I've actually had wonderful experiences with teachers but bringing me in because often when I'm delivering workshops, um, especially to the older years, I do get a few teachers sat at the back of the classroom that then come to me at the end and they say, oh, can I just show you my payslip? I'm not sure I understand this. And we get in this conversation back and forth <laughs> about their own finances, which I love. I'm, I'm here for everyone. I'm not here just to teach the kids. It's just what I'm doing right now. But in terms of like common threads, I would say you have these like peaks and troughs with interest, I've noticed, because I do teach from year one to year 13, so the entire spectrum. You get really excited mm-hmm. young people in their in junior school years that want to tell you everything they possibly know about money. And they want to use the word investing, not quite understanding what it means, but that's fine. You know, using the word is just as yeah, good. Yeah. They want to tell you that their mum's friend's auntie was an accountant as well. They They really kind of immerse themselves in it. And I think what's beautiful about teaching in the junior schools is actually, okay, we might not be explaining the nuances of investing or nuances of pensions, those sorts of topics, but we're letting them have a space to be talking about money, which I never remember having. I never remember in junior school talking about finance or money at all. And what we're doing is we're just giving them space to say, absolutely fine. Tell us what you think. How do you feel? How do you kind of think about money? And not even changing their opinion, just saying, what is your opinion? Have one, don't kind of put a taboo on the words because then as they grow up, they feel like they can't talk about it. Whereas as we then go into the common threads of senior schools and sixth forms, you know, it is the age old stuff because TikTok is their search engine and everywhere you look for some reason, there is Mm -hmm. someone talking about crypto and rightly or wrongly, Um, Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of my time explaining that cryptocurrency is a currency and 95% of the room will be shocked by that discovery, which is nerve is unnerving. And, um, yeah, it's often around cryptocurrency or investing in general, because they all have these kind of mindsets. They want to get rich quick. They want to get rich now. And the only thing they've seen that that's happened to in the last, in their generational minds has been cryptocurrency, but they will forget, sure. you know, the higher yeah. you rise, the higher you can fall or oh, the quicker, the, you know, the drops can be equally as dramatic. And I think also my final thread would mm-hmm. be entrepreneurship. You know, we have a next generation, the Gen Z's and the Gen A's that are very excited to be running things differently and be entrepreneurs, be working for themselves. And I think if we don't, another kind of going back to your original question, like 
why should we be doing this? It's because if we don't do this, we're going to breed a new age of entrepreneurs that have zero understanding around finance and money that can really damage them. You know, they can miss yeah. tax liabilities. They can miss and un- misunderstand yeah. what they're meant to be paying. A lot of people think that if they make money on social media, that they don't have to pay tax. I don't know where that misconception came from, but that's a really, it's a sad realization when I have to explain that to them and watch their faces drop that, especially if they're making good money, you know, that tax bill is, can be 50% of their income gone. Um, So yeah, I think there are many, many common threads across the, across the range, but yeah, especially at those last years, it's it's all around investing. It's interesting. You, you mentioned um, TikTok and social media there because I would love to know your views on how important you feel social media is because it, I, I spoke at an event last week and it was to industry professionals in my field, financial advice and, and mortgage advice. And I, I, I was, I was quoting some stats and the room couldn't quite believe it. And I'm like one in three people now use social media for their financial content, either for advice, guidance, whatever they're going to social media. So if you're not there, Unfortunately, you're missing a trick. And I find that TikTok, Instagram, obviously we're on. I'm on YouTube, for example. I'm on Instagram, for example. It's such an important avenue to make sure you're occupying because there are there are some bad voices out there. How important do you think that social media um, avenue is going to be for, for young people now? Because I I can't see it slowing down anytime soon. No, if anything, it's speeding up. And I think it's more important than ever that the right voices are heard because I I had the exact same conversation. So when I was start, when I started Ellen and I was thinking, right, where do I want to be? I realized I needed to be where those school kids were. So I can come into their classroom and deliver a workshop for an hour, two hours, a full day, a week, whatever. But when I go, where are they going to be able to go to ask their questions? And I realized that I had to be present on social media because that's where they were. And in that process, I realized that there is a whole other generation. We've got millennials, boomers, the rest of everybody else that also wish they had this at their school and they need to ask their questions. And so it's about providing a really kind of safe space to just, you know, talk about the topics like you said right at the beginning that they don't even know that they need to know. Um, I often get comments in some of my reels where people say, I didn't even know this was a tax or I didn't even know that was a thing. And then they can learn something from it. You know, I really try and keep my Instagram, especially very, very educational. I don't talk about anything else on there. I just keep it very like, you know, this is some finance knowledge you should know. Here it is done. I say to people right on Fridays, we do finance Fridays with Foster, ask me anything. And if I don't have time to put it into a story for you, I will make a reel. Like you're providing me with content, which is great um, ideas. And then I'll go and facilitate that for you and answer those questions. And on Sundays, I do a Sunday quiz where I ask questions. And it's not because I have this undying need to be on Instagram developing stories all my time. It's that I know that if I can create just six questions on a Sunday evening that kind of ignite that mind to like think about finance just for a little bit, you know, get their competitive spirit going. It's a, it's a brilliant thing. And like, I get lovely messages from the quizzes where people say like, I'm learning so much because I'm forcing myself to do this every Sunday as my like one thing in finance. And that's fine. You don't need to be every, and also, oh, the world would be such a boring place if we were all accountants. We don't all need to be accountants, but what we do need is just a little bit of understanding. And the more of us that are represented as quality educators on social media, like yourself and some other incredible people, you know, 
the better because then it drowns out the noise of the people that are not there for the right reasons. They're just there yeah. to kind of force an agenda, which is really yeah. sad. Yeah. I mean, to go back on what you were talking about in terms of the realization that money that you earn on social media needs to be taxed. I can't tell you the amount of conversation I've had with people who think oh, I've got money in crypto. It's, uh, the tax man is never going to touch this. And I'm like, HMRC will have agreements with a lot of the, the providers now. So they report to them. And if you're not reporting, guess what? You're going to get a letter in the post potentially with a reminder saying, hey, you owe us some money. <laughs> so it's it's really- Do you find as well that people think that HMRC is like this like old granddad or old grandma that doesn't go on social media? Like they have eyes, they have eyes everywhere. And, they're, and they think that there's a place that they could be making money from us. Like they're gonna come to us and find out. Like they're not gonna just let these huge loopholes just disappear into the abyss. Like, you know, it is, it is sad, I think, that there is this misconception. And I think also somewhere that can muddy the lines is this difference between like us and America. Um, so, you know, we have a certain amount of, you know, responsibility to, to make clear we're talking about. So when I talk about even the UK or even specifically England, because obviously Scotland and Wales have some different um, like tax rules. So um, you have to make really clear this is about England and this isn't and like, you know, because when some people come to me and they're like, oh, I saw this guy talking about investing and he said I should do this, this and this. And then she, they show me this person and it's an American person. And it's just a different, it's different. The system's different. And you have to be really cautious that you're finding out the information that suits you, your country, etc. I think you're right with that 100%. The thing that I don't get, though, and I don't know, I'd love to get your view on this. When I started out, I was intentional that I wanted to be UK focused and UK focused alone, because there are still, I know, a number of pretty big YouTubers, TikTok, TikTokers who are, who are English, but they talk in dollars. And I'm like, why? I don't like, I, I get that there's more money to be made if you target yourself at the American audience, because obviously it's bigger. But you're from the UK. It's like it makes sense for you to talk about the domestic market. Like financially, you might take a little bit of a hit, but I don't know. It's it's very very weird because I think you're right. People in America, because the system works very very differently, and because the content obviously reaches us here in the UK, it can spring all kinds of ideas. And you got to remind and say, look, their Roth IRA or whatever four hundred one k or whatever it is they talked about, you need to find the UK equivalent, which is essentially a pension. So all this wonderful stuff that they're talking about doesn't necessarily apply to you in that theoretical, you know, uh, practical way. But actually, in the UK, it's called a pension, and this is how it works. But you know, it's it's very very fascinating. For me, I'd love to see, um, you know, I'd love to see financial education taught all over the world. And people are doing it. They are doing, you know, I was at an, a summit last week for young leaders and I was speaking to a guy that's delivering financial nice. education in Indonesia in a very similar way to how I'm doing it. And it was incredible. And I was like, my mind was just open. I was like, we are all doing this in our own areas, but the best thing to do is to stick to your area and, and tackle that first because there's no point in me going going into a classroom full of, um, let's imagine, a sixth form group based in Birmingham and telling them about how to invest in the US or how the pension system mm -hmm. works in the US. Like, it's just not helpful for them. We need to be giving them, like, let's not always jump ahead. And sometimes I think I can be guilty of jumping into the hard stuff and forgetting that, especially in school ages, they need to understand the basics first because they want to ask me how investing works. And I ask them, have you got bank <laughs> accounts yet? And sometimes you see their faces like, oh, yeah. not, not yet. And I'm like, well, yeah. could we start there? 
do you understand what a bank is or do you understand what currency is before you tell me that you've made your millions in <laughs> cryptocurrency? Um, that's like, it's, yeah, I think that's the one thing I would say is that there's so many things, like if anything last week taught me at this summit is there are problems all over the world going on. But if we could just do one little thing at a time and just focus on our areas, we'll just yeah. see this ripple effect. And I honestly believe like when I go into these classrooms that I am speaking to the leaders of the next generation, if I can provide them with just even one bit of knowledge that helped them get to that next step, then I've yeah. done my job, um, you know. And even if it's the six-year-old that I explained about, you know, budgeting and how to plan a party and they then, you know, become the prime minister, then yeah. you never know. It could, that kind of conversation can be ha being had by any age group, really, and especially yeah. our next generation. It's interesting because at the end of the day, that those basics that you, that you talk about, I mean, it's the same thing with adults, like first-time investors. It's like, you want to jump before you can even crawl straight into the pool of trading. And I'm like, whoa, 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 just stop. Basics first. I think that is one of those things. It's almost human nature, though. It's like psychologically. And I think social media also leads into this. The fact that, you know, you see so much on social media that this is where you want to be. So it's what's the quickest route to get there. And it's like, slow down, like the front, the foundations first, you've got to build those and then it allows you to get to there. I think the issue with social media is that people just want it to happen quicker and you cannot cheat time at the end of the day. It's perseverance and patience. We have that, don't we have that across everything, you know, like physical health. Like we don't expect to go to the gym one day and the next day have like rippling six packs if that's what you're after, mm -hmm. or, you know, be able to lift the heaviest weight in the gym. But for some reason, when it comes to finance, people expect themselves they expect way too much of themselves so quickly and they think they should all be accountants and all, all be financial advisors like overnight just based off the fact that they've watched one or two videos and i also have to stress this when i do my reels sometimes i get a few people in my dms that remind me that i've not explained the nuances of this particular subject so like i paid i did a reel on inheritance tax and I did exams for years understanding estate planning and inheritance tax. And I tried to put that information into a one minute video. Yes, Darren, Karen, whoever we're talking to <laughs> here on our DMs, I am going to miss some little bits out. I am going yeah. to miss out a nuance of this just tiny bit of tax law because it is not important for everyone to understand absolutely everything because I will lose everyone because they won't want to listen to a 10 minute video on inheritance tax once they're flicking through their store or once they're flicking through reels on Instagram. But what they might do is just hear me for a minute, just a minute, that's all I need and explain just some of the basics that they can then go away and build on that knowledge from. I yeah. don't, yeah, I think that is yeah. definitely one of the hardest things with social media is having those yeah. DMs where it's like, you didn't tell me this yeah. little thing that changed this yeah. nuance. And I'm, yeah, let's just, yeah, give it a break. I'm that's that's the hidden that's <laughs> the hidden part of social media that nobody realizes. And it, it, for me, I don't know, I'm kind of like, listen, social media and what I do certainly is not meant to give you all of the answers. It's supposed to be a research tool. So you watch one of the videos, you think, okay, I'm going to figure, I'm going to, I'm going to try and figure out what the next step might be. That's the function. It's not to give you the ins and outs, to give you all of the answers. It's a research tool. And I think so, because of the way social media is, because it's fast content, really, really quick, you can find the information. People expect to be able to find the answers there. But like you're saying, it's like inheritance tax is a big, big, complex topic. 
I mean, the instruments and the things that you could do, depending on your circumstances, are so vast and so varied. It's impossible to put that into a 60-second TikTok or even a 90-minute, 10-minute video a lot of the time. You can't do it. So boil it down to the essence is it's it's hard to do. I struggle sometimes. I'm like, mm, but I'm like, okay, objectively, does it give you enough if you know nothing? And that's not often the barometer that I go for, but it, it's so difficult a balance to strike. My, um, I always use two rules. One is if I can show the video to my mum and she understands it, I've done a good job. So if she ex- understands it, I've done my job. And secondly, if I could show the video to my six-year-old nephew, um, then, and he understands it or can understand what is coming out of my mouth to a basic level, then I've done my job. That's pretty so, much with all of my videos. So yeah. you're not going to catch me dancing on a TikTok video to a <laughs> song with swear words on, purely because I have this rule where if I wouldn't show it to my nephew or I wouldn't show it to my mom, I'm not going to put it on social. That's just me. I think yeah. there is a massive space open for that sort of fun entertainment and I really love it. But for me, that's just my rule because especially when I work with young people, I wa- I never ever want something. I don't ever want them to come to my page and be like, oh God, this is, this is not the kind of face she portrayed in front of yeah. us. Whereas I would like to think I'm pretty much identical on social media as I am to face-to-face in their classrooms delivering yeah. these workshops. And I, I... I do believe it's an absolute privilege of mine to be able to go and have an hour minimum of their time to deliver this to them and shape their future. So I then need to give them, you know, the, you know, give them what they're owed in the sense of when they try and find more from me, that it's exactly the same content and not something completely. Consistency is key. 100% in anything you do not being something that you're not just to try and fit in and i think that's the hardest thing with social media a lot of the time you know how do you genuinely authentically be yourself in delivering your message one of the hardest things i've had to figure out and starting out i was very very nervous that people might like oh he has no idea what he's talking about or might not like my mannerisms but at the end of the day that doesn't really matter as much as what you're trying to say and and as creators you always have to get comfortable with that uh, ultimately and be comfortable in your own skin and who you are and how you deliver messages and how you speak. Yeah, there's enough of us as well that I think if you're looking for something, you should be able to find it. You know, you're looking for someone that is talking about that exact subject you want to learn about or talking in a way that you like to learn. Not everyone is going to love my videos and that is absolutely okay. But I know that the content I'm producing is what I wish I was taught and that's what that's where I'm just going to lead from and you know people will ask me produce more content great I'll keep going you know I'll just stay for as long as I'm needed I've got the like absolute privilege of being able to go on to tv and radio now which for me was this like five-year goal and it's now become like a very real reality and it just means for me I can just spread the message even more um, if people like me, great. Or, you know, when I, I was very lucky to be on this morning and I think one of the only tweets, cause I did what you just shouldn't do, which is like check Twitter when she come off. And <laughs> I think one of the tweets was this man that said, he said, he was like, where have they got this eighties dancer from? Because I had like big hair and like my purple jumpsuit on. And I was like, do you know what? It could be worse. He wasn't saying that my finance was wrong. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. not everyone's going to love you, but you just got to be you and know that some people will yeah i have to ask you how have you found doing media because like for me 
it was nerve-wracking to start off with because I'm like you, I'm like, oh my God, Twitter's going to be a mess. Did I say something wrong? Like, oh my God, like, but as I got more into it, I was like, okay, just ignore it and just, then you find your own comfort zone, don't you? And you you kind of become comfortable with the situation. You understand how you work in that environment too. How have you found it? So I found radio really fun. Um, so I do a weekly slot on LBC and I found that really engaging and funny. And the guy that I speak to every Sunday is really lovely. So that I find really fun, but TV, I do still find really nerve wracking because like you said, you know, are you going to say something wrong? You have to be quick. You also have to be comfortable with the chaos of it. Um, you know, when you, just before you go on TV, you watch these incredible presenters, especially on this morning, I think I had, well, I had Rochelle and Andy as my presenters and they are so professional. There's chaos behind the scenes and they just stand there as if they are completely calm. Yeah. Yeah really relaxed and you have to kind of do the same you have to be like yeah I'm absolutely totally comfortable with sitting here and seven cameras and seven huge lights pointed at my face this is my average this is my average Tuesday is this not yours um so I think it is for me it's been an absolute privilege like I always I always dreamed of presenting and delivering more financial education through media like TV and radio. Um, and like I said before, it was it was a pipeline dream and now it has become a reality through social media, which again, answering your question before, how is social media helping? It's, it's given me that platform that, you know, it hasn't happened overnight. Um, some people might think it has, it hasn't happened overnight, but it has, meant that some of my dreams can become realities yeah. much sooner. I've got, I've got one more question I wanna ask you and I wanna tag something on. So let's get to this one. I just wanna know what your top mm. three tips would be for people if they wanted to kind of like better their finances they're struggling right now what would be your top three tips oh okay so first one and i think it's just because sometimes i'm referred to as the queen of tax codes because i go on about tax codes far too often um rightly or wrongly um i would say please read your payslip and you will have some form of a payslip whether you are self-employed or employed whether you're if you're self-employed it might not look like everyone else's but it will have you will need to understand some basics like your tax code how much tax you're paying each month so every month if you could do just one thing it would be just read it if you don't understand elements of it obviously do some education learn but just read it because i think sometimes people think if i put the blinks on and i don't look at it then i mm-hmm. nothing can be wrong and that can't be further from the truth and i yeah. think also when people feel confident enough to read their pace it, it the mindset shift is bonkers because if they feel confident enough to read that and understand it they're then happy to take on other subjects like pensions and other things that they didn't quite get before so it can feel so simple but yeah number one would be read your payslip um i remember at school you used to be told like read the question for me it's read your payslip don't overcomplicate it and then mm-hmm. two and then leading on to three so two is please do your own learning if anything you know we've talked about today is find someone online find people online that you like and you respect and you think you can learn from and follow them just take a little bit from them each week it doesn't have to be intense it doesn't have to be too much but do your own learning don't just assume that because you you know understood tax at school if you were taught you now understand everything because it's constantly changing you constantly need to Mm -hmm. update your knowledge and then third and finally is once you've done that learning is educate others so if you can teach it to someone else, I know we've probably hit this drum many a times on here and over different um, mediums, but 
if you can teach someone else, you probably know it very well and therefore can feel comfortable and, you know, educate others. And I, and I don't joke when I say even your toddlers, you know, don't, I don't, again, don't try and explain cryptocurrency to your two-year-old, but could you explain how coins work or how notes like work for like buying things and, you know, maybe to your seven-year-old, how does inflation work? You know, that's a big word. They might even be just learning how to spell it, but don't think that just because they're young or even because your parents are older that you can't educate them educate others with your new information so yeah payslip do your own education and then educate others would be my top three i love those i absolutely love those payslip man i never used to look at my payslip i remember years ago when i was in canary wharf you know look at my payslip it was always painful look at the tax section i'm like oh <laughs> and oftentimes, I, I think a lot of people look at that thinking, oh, this is how much tax I'm paying. Oh, my God. But I think for yeah. me, it was kind of like, OK, uh, maybe I need to be a little bit smarter because I understand how much I've had to work. If I've paid that much to the tax man, I need to make sure I'm making some really good decisions myself and maybe at least paying myself first from my paycheck to ensure that I don't go and spunk all this up the wall because I feel generous this month because I've done okay yeah exactly and also when you look at your pay slip you can understand if things have gone wrong because a lot of people don't realize and they can go years on the wrong tax code you know paying student loan into the wrong plan like there are so many ways that things can go wrong on your pay slip and actually people don't realize that you're accountable it's not your payroll department obviously Mm -hmm. there is a certain element that they should get things right but it's on you if you're on the wrong tax code for years it can be really difficult to correct that. And if you look at your pace, yeah, I know. Like I said the same thing when I got my very first job, hilariously, it was an accountancy. And I turned around to my boss and I was like, did I miss the lesson where we were like explained (laughs) what any of this meant? And he was wonderful to me. And he said at the time, he was like, well, what is it you don't understand? And I was like, well, what does TC mean? And it was tax code. I was like, okay, what do the numbers mean? And he's like, oh, this. And then I was like, what does NI mean? And I'm, I was an accountant. So in my head, it blew my mind that like we were learning about P&Ls all day long, cash flows, balance sheets, like running businesses. But for some reason, we were just missing out this like fundamental key piece of information, which was that tiny piece of le- like paper. Yeah. Well, it's not even paper anymore, is it? We all get it electronically. Yeah, sure, yeah. But that had so much information that can change your life. And we were just all avoiding it because it felt uncomfortable. I agree with you 100%. But then again, in the example that in the story that you just shared right there, it's the fact that a lot of the time, even when you work in an industry, doesn't mean that you fully understand and implement some of those things. The amount of divorce lawyers I've sat with who are like, you should have a prenup and they wax lyrical. And I'm like, we do, have, do you have a prenup? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, but why? It's common. It's commonplace. It really, really is. This is That's so true. And it, like with all of us, we we are trying so hard. Like I'm trying so hard with my business to, you know, make it a success. And sometimes that means I'm not necessarily, it's kind of a, you know, you have to make decisions for your business that you wouldn't necessarily tell someone that was employed to do or someone that was running their own um, business because things change. And that's why I say when you're doing your education, your education never stops. You have to keep keeping one ear to the ground on what's changing and how it affects you. Because, you know, we talked about, we can talk about ISAs, which to some people you think, well, they haven't changed in years. Why would I need to worry? And then the next thing you know, things might be changing. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge about your recent um, reel on changes to ISAs. So what is, you know, 
there is nothing that's off limits. Everything is changeable all the time. So definitely keeping one ear on the ground. I agree. Is a really agree. Good idea. Right. I do have one question for you before I ask you to share your socials and stuff and how people can find you. Would you write a book and are you thinking of a book? Yes, I would. And I am thinking of a book. I am. Good. Um, yes, I am basically. The works or something first. that's a work in progress that you've not yet firmly it's, approached? It's currently a work good. in progress. Okay, good. Um, we, yeah, about it's, it, it, it's not going to be far off what I do now. Good. Um, it won't come as a shock to anyone. It will be, um, helping effectively. It's always about helping the next generation understand their finances and everybody else. Really. Good. Um, but yeah, for me, I would love to It'd be an absolute dream to see something like that. Published. I'm sure it will. Who knows? You never know. I'm sure you? it will, because I think Thank you're you. at the, the, the phase now where it, it's almost like a, a natural extension. I mean, with my book, it was, it's so weird having a book out because for me, my book was all about legacy. If I die today, I've left yeah. something behind that people will always be mm. able to see my name on and the good that it basically does in sharing stories and sharing knowledge. And when you get messages, I, it's funny. I, I was in London yesterday, driving back at the supercharger. I've got some food in my hand and a guy comes back, I've I'm literally just listened to your audio book right now. And it was so bizarre, but it touches people. And yeah, I, I, when it comes out, I would love to, I'd lo I'll, I'll definitely grab a copy and love to get you on to talk about uh, yeah. the book and, and the premise of it as well. So that'd be amazing. Yeah. That must, that must happen to you all the time, Peter. I've only ever happened that had that happen to me once. And it really freaked me out when someone came up to me and was like, I follow you. And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, okay, thank you. She's like, you're really good. And I was like, thanks. Yeah. And then you just walk off and you're like, what bizarre interaction. Yeah. It is such a, it, it, for me, it gives validation to what we do. Cause uh, you'll know this, like it's so hard. It can be a lonely place creating content and it's a business and you've got to learn about the business and then brands wanting to work with you and things not going as you plan and people taking advantage and you're constantly being the one who gives, 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 gives that it's just, sometimes when it's really really difficult to have someone to be like i really got benefit from your video or i really enjoyed your book it reminds me why i started this entire thing to have conversations that i wish someone had with me when i was 19 20 and so those interactions they're bizarre to begin with but i they give me a boost they give me like okay cool you're, you're doing good even despite the fact that it's probably chaotic and really really stressful half the time yeah, I second all of that. So where do people find you, um, Abby? How do people find you on socials? How do people connect with you? So pretty much all of my socials are at elent underscore finance. So E-L-E-N-T underscore finance, F-I-N-A-N-C-E. That's my Instagram, which is where I produce most of my content. So reels and stories and they have my finance Fridays and Sunday quiz are held there. And then uh, we're also on TikTok and we are going to be doing more on YouTube going forward. Just some like light touch stuff, um, just because I think it's an incredible place. Like you said, like there is a whole next generation that use just YouTube for um, education, which is very cool. So we want to be there as well. Um, so yeah, Ellen underscore finance is where you can find us. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me on this one. And guys, what I'm going to do is all of the links will be in the show notes on Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the good ones. If you're listening to this, if you're on YouTube, you're watching this, they will be in the description um, of the episode. Um, I would 
genuine ask you go follow it's really really good content and i'm always taking notes to try and kind of improve what i'm doing on instagram as well but enjoy your week whatever it is that you're doing this week remember money is a tool life is for living it's all about decisions that we make and it's all about trying to upskill make sure that we're in the best mission to make the best decision so i'll catch you next friday enjoy yourselves cheers Thank you.